House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Today we are talking to an author. Uh, her name is J.R. Loveless. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, I have to say, so now, J.R. Loveless, is that a pen name? <laughs> Actually, it's half. Um, the first uh, two letters are the uh, initials of my first and last, uh, our first and middle initial, um, and then the last name actually came from how I got into the genre that I write in. Um, I actually have the word loveless because that was my favorite anime. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I always ask that, that sometimes I feel weird because sometimes it's a name like loveless or something like that, and it's their real name. You know, <laughs> sometimes I get slapped for that. Um, well, that's incredible. So now you've been writing a long time. When did it start for you? Um, I actually stumbled onto the genre um, during a time in my life when I really needed something to. I was in a dark place, and I really needed something that um, would lift me out of that that part in my life. And um, that's when I actually stumbled on um, yaoi, which is a Japanese form of um, what they call boys' love. And um, so I started I started looking for more. And at that point, I ended up going to a forum that was um, all related to that particular type of anime. And I found that they had a fan fiction so section as well as a, an original section. So I started writing in the original section um, and just producing my own stories in there and letting people, you know, comment on them and give me feedback. And uh, that was about 2005. And for over the next five years, I, I continued to write on there and, and just kind of um, offer my stories up on there. And then a friend of mine actually talked me into taking one of the ones I had on there that was overly popular, which is actually my very first book, which was Touch Me Gently. And um, they, you know, they pushed me to submit it to a couple of publishing companies. And in 2010, I actually had that book accepted by the first publishing company. Um, and that came out September of that year, and it's kind of just been, you know, a continual process since then. So what about that um, genre? Like, why um, romance? Like, what was it that made you go in that direction? Well, I've always I've always loved romance. I mean, even even when I was a kid, I would read as as many young adult romance books I could get my hands on. You know, when when I was older, my mom never really shielded us from um, anything we wanted to experience or read in regards to like movies and things like that. So, uh, I was started reading Harlequin, and then I ended up kind of trailing off from that. And I just find something about this particular genre is so much more. I don't know, it feels realer, <laughs> I guess is the word, um, where the feelings and emotions are just more um, more real, I guess. It's, I, I'm just not really sure what to use in place of that particular word, but yeah. um, it just pulls something in my, my, my spirit, my soul. <laughs> so, so you're writing, um, in essence, so you, when you write, you're writing about something um, for yourself, Yes. I mean, I, I write, obviously, I would I love it when my readers enjoy what I write, but a lot of what I write is something that I enjoy reading. And it's, I think that, you know, just some of my experiences are put into the book. Some are things that just come up to me as I'm writing. Um, so a lot of it is just pieces of me that go into the books. Do you put an underlying theme? And I mean this in the sense of, okay, so now you've got a story about, you know, a love story and whatever's going on. But when when someone reads one of your books and they finish, is there something more than just the story that you want them to get? Um, I mean, I, I, I think that um, just knowing that we all want some, you know, acceptance and, and love in our life, um, you know, just seeing that no matter what you've gone through in your past and no matter what you've experienced or however you've been treated, you still deserve that no matter what. Okay. Um, so now your characters. Um, so when you have um, two main characters or maybe three or depending on the book, I guess, but 
these characters, where do you get your idea for them, and how how do you develop them? <laughs> um, I'm actually the type of person like. Any little thing can actually trigger an idea for a story or a concept. I mean, I, I could be, you know, I could wake up in the middle of the night and ha- from a dream and just remember something that happened in my dream and that that triggers an entire story. Or it's just something that I could be, um, I don't know, walking down the street and see an individual that they strike me as a great character for a book in a certain way. Um, I, I pretty much get my ideas everywhere. And I've always got, like, multiple stories in progress, which probably not a good idea, but um, I usually have several works in progress going on, and it's, you know, I try to make sure I focus on the one that is most, like, it's, it's got my attention the most right then, so that I know that everything I'm coming out with is fresh and new. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a good idea to have more than one going. I always have four or five <laughs> running. I, I mean, but uh, but coming from, from, from my side, I only write... Um, you know, true crime and nonfiction so far. So, uh, it's taking time to get the, um, all the information to meet people and get documents and do things. So with, with what you write, um, is there a lot of research? It depends. Um, it depends on what I'm going to feature in the book. Um, some things, you know, as with fiction, there's a lot of writer's license they can take and they can twist it any way they want because they're, will, they're building their own world. But there are certain things, like in my one book, His Salvation, um, you know, there's a scene where uh, one of the main characters is teaching the other main character how to utilize a knife in a fight. What's the best way to hold it? What's the, you know, the, the differences in the actual, um, you know, uh, the way that they actually handle the knife. So that type of thing, I have to actually actively go look for, um, you know, research and information in order to write that effectively and not come off as, as unknowledgeable. Yeah, I think it's important. You want it to, to, to have the right context, right? You want it to. Um, so, so what is your favorite thing to read? You said you like reading romance. So do you have a favorite couple of authors or is it old romance do romance uh, where would it where would you where would you get the books you when you want to read something well I, I right now obviously because of the pandemic I'm not uh, I'm not really actively venturing out of my house very much so it's primarily been electronic uh, you know ebooks on my on my Kindle app on my phone or on my computer um, primarily I read a lot of the paranormal urban fantasy um, uh, gay romance, and uh, I pretty much, I, I'm very much into, like, I'll look at the blurb, if the blurb sounds like it's something that I'm really attracted to, like, I, I'm very big on, like, the hurt comfort, um, the actual uh, faded mates with, you know, the potential of of um, friction between the two mates, I'm not really a big fan of, like, the insta-love, but I will, um, I will read it if it sounds like something that may hold my attention. Uh, I do read between, but I don't just focus on romance itself. I actually will read young adult as well. Um, I'm a very big Harry Potter fan. Um, I've read every book and seen every movie probably about 20 times. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think now with the writer being uh, all this controversy with the anti-tran and all that stuff? I I don't get that. But um, I hear a lot of that stuff. Does it? Does that affect you when a writer does something like that? I I will admit it put a little bit of a tarnish on my um, my love for the you know for her series, and uh, I do think that um, I think she's at the point where she doesn't really have to actively worry what individuals think just because of how popular that series became and the the amount of royalties that she's getting from everything that's out there between the you know the two parks in Orlando um the sites out in uh, out in England and things like that so i think she's she doesn't feel she needs to watch anything that she's sharing um so to speak yeah. um but yes i will say that it's you know it's kind of tarnished that just a little bit for me i know there was also some talk in regards to her current book that just came out where she's, you know, she's introducing uh, a serial killer in the book who is, you know, who wears dresses and likes to kill women. So I know that's been a hot point uh, across the community for the last couple of weeks or so. Well, it's just, it's just crazy. I, 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 I don't get that. I don't understand why authors or movie stars or anybody 
goes out and does things like that blatantly, just kind of like as a nonchalant, like it's not not a big deal, just because maybe they've made it or they have maybe some money and it doesn't matter. But I, I don't know. I just think that's kind of the wrong thing to do. But I don't know. That's Definitely just, agree. You know, that's just me. Now you touched off on paranormal. So what what is your interest in paranormal? Do you get do you have um, experiences with the paranormal? And and is this what brought you into writing that into a into a love story? Or is it just that um, you're interested in it? Well, I'm very, I, I, like when I refer to paranormal, it's more so leaning towards um, shifters, uh, you know, like being able to change into different uh, creatures, primarily wolves are one of my favorite. Um, I've always been a big fan of wolves, you know, across the, just my entire life. Um, and in fact, I actually have one of my characters that has a wolf tattoo and I got a tattoo on my arm inspired by them. So it's just wolf shifters and anything related to that particular, um, you know, genre is what grabs me. And I think it's more so because I'm very much an animal supporter and lover. Um, I've, you know, I, I help volunteer at a rescue. Um, you know, I help them with raising funds and everything for them to be able to do. Um, and I just, I think that's one of the reasons why the idea of being able to shift into one of the animals that I love so much is just so fascinating. Yeah, that's always a good thing, right? You know, helping animals and stuff like that. Uh, you know, in today's world, we don't need to be, uh, uh, you know, treating them like they like they have been. You know, it's. Uh, um, I always rescue. I've got a house with three acres, and I uh, always have a couple of dogs. I get the older dogs. There's a lot of individuals who like to do that. Um, I mean, and it's it's definitely it's a good thing because there's so many of the senior animals that end up being you know uh, you know placed into shelters because the family doesn't want to take care of them anymore. They've encountered, um, you know, they've encountered health issues that they don't want to have the responsibility of or the money, you know, the monetary uh, responsibility of. So uh, giving that, that senior dog a chance at a loving home until, you know, they've reached that point in their life is, is definitely something I feel is very, to them especially, is very heroic because you're giving them that chance to experience a loving family again and, and a way, a loving home to stay in until that point in their life. Yeah. Oh, they're the best. Uh, they, they only, yeah, a lot of them do get medical issues, but um, nobody wants them. They all want the young puppy, right? So, mm -hmm. um, but I find the older ones great. They're really well behaved. They have a little separation anxiety, but they're nice. Um, uh, and yeah, the, the other thing is, uh, you don't get to have them so long cause they only have so many years, you know, that's, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's important, you know, um, so do you think you're going to get into sci-fi somehow when you touch off on some of this stuff like shifters and stuff? Do you think you'll get kind of into a romance sci-fi or maybe space or something like that? Um, I've never really been actively interested in, in sci-fi or science fiction in regards to like the whole space exploration and things of that nature. Um, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've enjoyed certain things in regards to movies and such, but I've never really been a big reader of science fiction, so I'm not really sure that's something I'll ever venture into. You never know. The way, wherever the wind takes me pretty much is what I write. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, so, uh, you know, one of the interesting things, um, do you find the outside world influences how you write? Now, it might not, like, for instance, like right now, you know, there's COVID and there's there's protests and there's, there's all sorts of weird stuff going on. And um, it stresses people out a lot and it um, causes a lot of emotions to fly around. So when something like that is going on, you might not write about, uh, put COVID, say, in your book, or you might not put any of the modern things in, but having those things go on around you, you know, being at your home and, and going through all the motions of, 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 a vi of a pandemic, does it make you write a little darker or think a little darker when you write? For myself, I don't think so. Um, I think that, I mean, I know it's out there, and, but I'm the type of person, I, I go to reading and I go to writing to escape, you know, the, the things that we experience in the in the day-to-day -day life that's not such a happy feature, you know, like the pandemic, the riots, the, you know, just, just everything that, that hatred that's out there. And 
that's one of the reasons I go to my writing, and that's one of the reasons why I read books is to escape that actual, I guess, to re- escape reality in a way. Right. So I don't, I don't think it really, you know, um, influences what I'm writing, though. It causes no blocks for you or anything, eh? No, nothing like that. Not, not when it comes to world um, issues, more so personal issues, maybe. <laughs> right, right. It's closer to home then, I guess. Um, so what do you think the most important thing to you is about writing? I mean, I've always, I've always been a reader. I've, I've loved books since I was, I, I believe, since I was even in kindergarten. My first favorite book on the planet was Charlotte's Web. And I, even though the spider passed away at the end and it was a very sad <laughs> ending, <laughs> I still adored that book and I still do today, you know. And I think that, that just over the years, the amount of books I've read and how much I've enjoyed it, it just pulls me in to want to be able to write my own stories, to, to have my own characters and my own worlds and be able to control that um, you know, that the outcome of the story, what happens to my characters, I think that's really the piece that I, I enjoy the most is being able to, um, you know, not only to affect readers in, in whatever way I affect them, um, whether it's positive, negative, you know, I mean, it's all, it's all good in some way because it means that my writing is actually doing something. Um, so it's just, I think that being able to just express that and show even pieces of myself in the stories, being able to expose that to the, you know, the, the I guess the, the world. <laughs> so what do you think the hardest thing is? Like do you, like for instance, uh, reviews, do you, do you, do you care about them? Do you get involved in them? Um, um, what is it that you dislike about writing? Well, to be honest with you, and I think most authors would agree with this, my least favorite part of the process is the blurb. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up with the, the, the little short um, hook, you know, the, the two yeah. paragraphs or so of, of, of enough to pull your readers in. Um, but in regards to reviews, I'm, I don't seek them out in regards to, um, you know, trying to uh, see what individuals are thinking of my books, but I do I do encounter them, and sometimes they will affect me because it depends on what was said. Either either it was really positive, or you know, not a, you can't please everybody, unfortunately. So there are some individuals who may not enjoy my story, and I do take those reviews really to heart. But I do realize that not everybody will enjoy the way I write or what I write. So it's kind of one of those things. I take their feedback if there is any, and kind of try to apply that to my next. Um, book that hopefully they'll read and actually enjoy. Hmm. So I'm just wondering now, so with your characters, like so when you have a main character in that, um, the, the the supporting characters or, or people that you also have in there, do, do you also just run across them? or Like are you the type that sits in a coffee shop and looks at people? Um, I don't necessarily go to a coffee shop. One, I don't really drink coffee. Well, but um, I also, <laughs> I know. Uh, well, a lot of people are like, how do you not drink coffee? I'm like, it's just not something that keeps me awake. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see the, it, I mean, it tastes good, but that's about the extent of it. Yeah. Um, you know, some people are like, really, I have to have my coffee. For me, it's, it's a, you know, I can leave it or take it. Um, but yes, I do. When I'm out in public, if I'm like, like if I'm sitting in a restaurant with someone, or um, you know, I'm even when I'm sitting at a red light, I do people watch. You know, when I see different uh, personalities or different traits that they may have, um, that I potentially will write into a character. And of course, there's always that ever popular. Be careful, you know, I may write you as a character in my book. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. Because like J.D. Horn, when I interviewed him, he was talking about how uh, if, he, if he encountered someone that was really rude to him or really mean, like, you know, in a, in a lineup for coffee or at a store or anywhere, he would take that person, write them in, and kill them. So, like, I mean, I, you know, obviously not everyone does that. But so do you do that sort of thing? Do you take someone that affects you negatively or positively and take that character and maybe write them in and then do something to them? I honestly can say I've never actually wrote a character in my books that I deliberately killed based on an experience. Oh. <laughs> um, I do believe that some of my side characters I've had have had traits and personalities from people that surround me. Um, like in my day job, I encounter so many people throughout the day that, um, you know, it's it's 
impossible not to correlate them into a character at some point. Just be even even if it's it's unconsciously, um, you know, just some of the habits that they may you know may see from them every single day that you encounter them. So I have done things like that. Um, sometimes it's been unconsciously, and sometimes it's just been on purpose. But I have never actively written a character that I've killed off yet. I'm still waiting for that character. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Next time, the first time you go for a coffee, it'll, yeah. um, so. What would you say to someone that's uh, starting to write that has never had anything published, but they're very interested in it? They're 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 kind of toying around with the idea. They write a little bit, they, but they 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 don't send it to anybody or talk about it. So, what would you suggest to a new writer? Um, one thing that I always say is just make sh- just keep writing. Um, I mean, I know if you're if you're toying with the idea. Um, then there's a reason you're toying with that idea. It's obvious that you really think that this is something, a story that needs to be told, and the world needs to hear it. Um, so it, it, I, you can always start with family and friends um, if you're comfortable enough to do that, or if not, contact a stranger. You know, somebody that you can meet through mul- a multiple of avenues on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of Facebook groups that will unfailingly help. I've had since I've taken over and done my my self-publishing, I've had a lot of help. A lot of individuals that have given me advice and suggestions and feedback. And it's the same thing. If you don't tell anybody about it, nobody's ever going to be able to encourage you to move forward, to encourage you to actually share that that message or that story that you're trying to give to the world. That's like what happened with my friend when she did that for me. She actually pushed me into what I'm doing now. Like it was it wasn't really ever something that I thought would happen and it did because she helped me. By but if you don't tell anybody, you're not going to you're not going to have that friend that's going to do that for you. Now, so um on a on a on a touchier subject. <laughs> Sitting down. <laughs> now, no, cuz I get I, I you know, over the this last year, we've done a lot of um um romance uh interviews and male male mainly. Um, romance interviews, um, an underlying theme and a thing I hear a lot is about um, a female writing male-male romance. And some people like it and some people don't. Some people complain about it. And that kind of covers, covers over to, you know, whether a, you know, a straight person can play a gay in a, in a movie role or TV or, you know, you hear this sort of theme going on all around What's your take on that whole thing? I really do. I mean, that's kind of hard to answer. Um, right. I mean, I've uh, seen that topic come up, you know, yeah. more than once. I've actually seen that probably about a dozen or so times at least in the last two years. Yeah. Um, you know, even longer than that, um, the community, you know, we've had either people that have made blog posts or public posts on Twitter, you know, post, posts on uh, Facebook. Um, and honestly... You could really direct the question in the same way. Okay, so I'm a woman. I write two male characters. How can I identify with them? But then you could actually turn that around and say the same thing. Well, how can a male author actually identify with a female character? It's still, it, I believe it's still the same, um, the same essence. You're still, uh, you're still writing that character. And we're all different. Or, we're at, I mean, our world would be pretty, you know, pretty dull if we were all the same. And even the characters are the same way. You know, it's it's. Everybody has their own perception of how a person would act or how a person would be, and I think that, um, you know, we've as as female authors, we have. Um, what's the word for it? We have, you know, a love for for the LGBTQ community that has, I think, helped also. Um, bring forward uh, more, a little bit more exposure to the genre as well. Um, I'm not saying that we're completely responsible for it. Uh-uh, I would never say that. Um, but I think it's helped a lot to bring more readers into the genre and, um, you know, give us um, that, I guess, more exposure. Uh, well, how do, you, how do you transpose, like, how do you put um, romance in then? Like, if um, is romance the same between, let's say, two men and a man and a woman, do you think? I think it can be, but I think there's also um, a little bit different uh, because with <laughs> I don't want to get graphic. Or no, 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 but many. no, but there's well with men there in general you have it's you know it's a different type of um, 
of aggression or feeling. You know, there's a different type of assertiveness, maybe, when you've got two men as compared to a man and a woman. Do you know, um, you, you sexually, you obviously know where it's going to go with a man and a woman. Uh, yes, um, that is. I, I mean, I, I have an, a friend who is actually uh, married to his um, very first sweetheart, um, and he actually had one of those. I, I would say I, I feel like it's it's like one of those romances out of a novel because um, you know he lived in Oregon. The other, you know, his husband lived here in Florida, and they actually um, met online and they actually fell in love online. Um, they met and eventually he moved from Oregon to Florida and they got, you know, they were together for several years before it became um, legal for them to get married. And as soon as they could, they got married. Um, so I think to me, just, the, you know, the way he's given me the story and told me what happened, I feel like that is like straight out of a romance novel. So do I think that that's possible? Yes. Um, it's maybe not as common. I'm not really sure. Um, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm not a man, so I can't. I can't really speak for every single individual out there, but I think there are some that are going to, you know, have that, that, um, like straight out of a romance, uh, relationship. And then you have some that are going to be more, you know, testing the waters, I guess. <laughs> um, so who do you think your readers are? Like who, who, who's your most common reader? I actually, I, I believe it's mostly women. Um, I know I do have uh, a number of uh, male uh, readers as well. Um, I actually have a reader group on Facebook, and I do, you know, interact with a number of uh, my readers, and several of them are men. Um, honestly, I don't have an entire following in the group, so I don't know every single reader that I touch, but I do know that a good percentage of them are female. So why do you think that is? Like, why, um, why a lot of females would like to read uh, male-male romance? Like, what is it about that? Well, speaking from my own perspective, I think there's a rawness there that you don't get with the male-female. In the male-female versions, like, and this is one of the reasons I don't read male-female anymore, <laughs> um, you, get, you get a lot of the same, you know, antiquated 1950s, you know, he treats her like trash, and then, you know, they fall in love at the end of the book, and it's just, it's something that I don't enjoy, and yeah, you still can get that in the, the the gay romance genre as well, but for the majority of the part, you don't really see that as much. Um, and I think there's just a rawness to their passion that they don't have in the male-female side, at least in my perspective. I, I Honestly, why everybody else reads it, I'm maybe the same thing. Maybe there's just a realness to it that you don't get on the other side. The only other thing I've heard was that um, in male-male romance, there tends to be more intimacy than there would be in a male-female romance. Yes, uh, usually, usually you'll get um, not just the you know the really strong scenes, but you'll also get um, more. I don't know if, you, if it's more feelings or more emotions, but you get more. You get more from it, I think. Right, right. Well, well, gay men tend to show their um, feelings more, I think, um, than let's say uh, a strong straight man within a romance you know what I mean I, I don't know it, and it, it may be and <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody so that's no. not the intention well, but it may be sorry I'm all about offending so <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> well I just I feel that um, you know with a straight man they feel that if they show emotions or they show their feelings that they are, are going to be taken as weak they're going to be taken as, you know, as I'm not a strong, you know, a strong individual. I can't show how I feel. And I think that's also a difference is a lot of the male-female, you don't see that, that strong emotion coming from the, the man in the actual romances like you do in the male-male genre. So now your last book you put out was in May, I believe, and it's called Spell of the Werewolf. Um, tell us the premise of that book. Um, that actually, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the wolf shifter or the shifter genre that, that a lot of individuals write in. Um, it's a very popular paranormal and urban fantasy genre. Um, I kind of wanted to take a step 
in the different direction with that. Um, a lot of individuals, it's it's mostly they turn into wolves or they turn into other types of animals where um, they're still themselves as as that animal. Um, in Spell of the Werewolf, I actually have it where they're more like the Hollywood. I turn into a you know a monster three times a, a month at, because of the full moon and and I mindlessly kill um, whoever I can or whatever I can. Um, so it's it's more from that perspective. Um, the main character, Justin, is actually, he was turned 200 years prior to the, the actual start of the novel. And at this point, he's survived, um, you know, just by, by locking himself in a cage, you know, the three nights a month that he's actually turned into a werewolf. And he's hating himself. He's, he's tired of, of, you know, trying to find the one that bit him, which is how he actually... Um, is hoping he can turn back to human. That's the the going rumor is is that if he finds the individual who bit him, and he actually you know puts them down, then he'll turn back to human. Um, so he's spent you know 200 years trying to find this individual um, and hunting others like him um, to actually put them down instead. So over the course of this uh, the book, he runs into a hybrid who wants to kill him because of what he is. Um, so they form a tentative truce to um, pursue a, um, a group of werewolves that have started working together when they're normally solitary creatures. And for them, they're, you know, for them, it's, it's, they don't understand how or why they're grouping together like that. So they form that tentative truce to work together. And over the course of that, you know, that time frame, they start to, they, there's a, a hidden attraction. And then they start to, in the heat of the moment, they act on it. A couple of times and then eventually the hybrid comes to realize that Justin is not um, is not like the others he's not a beast he's not a monster you know he regrets any lives he's taken over the course of the, t the 200 years that he's been a werewolf and he basically makes a bargain with Justin at the beginning when they make this truce that if um, he takes down they once they this is over if they have not actually turn Justin back to human that the hybrid will actually kill him and take his life so that he no longer is you know suffering through um, the torment that he's spent over the 200 years sounds like it's a movie <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, uh, what, what do you think the big fascination is with this kind of a story like you know with all the movies and all that stuff so with the werewolves and 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 things like that like what what do you think it is about that that makes people so so into it like what what part of that is is appealing well i mean you can go far back in regards to movies i mean there's been a love for horror movies since forever practically since movies were invented almost um i mean i think it's it's just the knowledge that you're seeing a fantasy creature that doesn't exist you know it's something that is it stimulates the creative mind. It stimulates, you know, the, the thought process. Well, what would happen if this actually existed? You know, how would we actually handle something like this? How would we how would we encounter something like this? So I think a lot of individuals are fascinated by that. And then, of course, you do have some individuals that are fascinated by blood and gore. So <laughs> <laughs> do you get into the details and stuff like that or do you kind of avoid the killing? In Spell of the Werewolf, I actually get into the details. Um, I actually had somebody that said it was very gory for them. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, oh. <laughs> now, Justin, so who is Justin, and, and where did you get that the idea for him? Um, honestly, I, I wrote the story a long time ago. I wrote that story probably back, I want to say about 2007, maybe 2008, and what happened was is that it was one of the ones I had shared on the forum that I was posting my stuff on. And I went this year, um, you know, I wanted it, it hit me that I could take and revamp that and make it so much better and add to it and then actually release it out there for individuals who may be interested in reading it. Um, so I Justin. Justin most likely was triggered from a character or, or something that, you know, like a personality trait from a character that I saw in a movie or something. I'm not really sure because I don't remember that far back, unfortunately. Um, but he, he's actually, too, he was born in the, um, the 1800s, and he actually was um, the usual. He lived with his family, but, uh, you know, the night that he was attacked, he'd been at a pub with a, you know, with a, uh, a friend of his celebrating, and 
as he was kind of stumbling home is when he was attacked by the um, the one that changed him. Wow. Where do you see yourself going with all this? Do you, do you, or do you want to continue doing this forever? Um, do you want to change? or where, What do you see with the writing future? Uh, a few years ago, I probably would have said young adult because I've actually always had a fascination with young adult. I've kind of not kept my finger on the pulse in the last few years. Um, I've kind of fell off of that, so I'm not really sure that that's actually my um, or I'm going to head. I'm not entirely certain on that front. I do know that I enjoy writing romance. I enjoy writing, um, you know, the gay romance and, and paranormal and the urban fantasy um, style. It's it's. I do have some contemporary, but I primarily write the urban urban fantasy and paranormal. So I'm most likely sticking with this particular genre and, you know, that particular subgenre. I was going to say, too, like when this... Uh, spell of spell of the werewolf. When you have Justin, and that's a couple hundred years ago where he gets bitten, um, you you must um, that must be where the research comes in, right? Where you have to go back to what people did, how they lived. Um, you know, like you mentioned the pub. So kind of like the the circumstances have to sound real. Yes, uh, there is a lot of things that you know when I first when I first revamped it and and made it um, more more my writing style now because I'm I've definitely changed in regards to the knowledge that I have in in just in how to structure stories and how to um, ensure that that you know the editing is is as well as I can do before I actually shoot it off to an editor. Um, you know, there were some things that I had to actually research and tweak within the story because back when I originally wrote it, I wasn't writing with that background knowledge. But I have, I mean, I've, I've been a movie buff and a book reader for years. So a lot of what I learned from, you know, movies and TV shows and books have stuck with me. Um, so there's certain factors of like, you know, the older, you know, like the 1800 style and, and how they were in England. And those are types of things that you experience when you see movies, you see movies like Sherlock Holmes, you know, um, things like that. They have that setting already there. So a lot of that is it, it already in, embedded in my mind. Yeah, I think it's important because the worst thing in the world is to uh, get something that's completely off, you know, um, do you watch a lot of horror as well, or kind of suspense? I watch a lot, actually. My my movie tastes are all over. I've got about a thousand DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know I'm old school DVD, <laughs> well, but I yeah. do watch a lot of streaming too. So <laughs> I still have I have VHS. So I'm you know come on yeah. It's hard to throw away stuff. I think, it, especially if it's something that you can't get anymore, and there's a lot of movies that came out years ago that were only available on VHS that are still, you know, like they're out of print and you can't get them on DVD or on a streaming service. Although I think there's a lot that has come forward into the streaming services now, like Amazon Prime and, and Netflix. Um, you're able to, um, re, you know, locate a lot of the ones that used, that were no, weren't available before now. So I think that's helped a lot. Um, but yeah, I love I, I, with DVDs. My thing is, is that okay? You've got a stream, but what if you have no internet? Or what if you know, like I live in Florida. We were without power one one year because of a hurricane for a week. But you can, you know, and then no cable. So if you have no internet, eventually you're going to need to do something. So you have a DVD that you can plop into a player and watch it that way. So um, you know, it's it's. I don't really want to get rid of them just because of purposes like that. And I enjoy having the physical object. <laughs> yeah, that, that's something that is important. And did you find that with books, too? Do you like to have physical books, or are you completely online? Uh, no, I do have I do have an entire bookshelf. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's a lot of books that I've saved over the years from different authors that I've enjoyed or different stories that I've enjoyed. Um, I have some on the shelf that I actually have to end up reading at some point, um, and I do... Like if I have the chance, like I've gone to uh, a couple of conventions for, um, you know, for the, the LGBTQ genre, and I've pretty much filled my suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, so these conventions and groups, when you go, what's your general take on them? Like, like, so for a newer writer, should they should they join as many groups as possible, go to as many shows like this as possible? Uh, what's your suggestion? 
Well, I think if they're if they're not going to attend as a writer, they should definitely try to attend at least one, you know, one or two a year as a reader, just to see, you know, to get the feel for the environment, to actually network with the other authors that are actually at the events. Um, that'll actually open a lot of doors for you for, you know, advice and suggestions and individuals that you can actually go to for, um, you know, for help in some way or another in the genre or even across genres, um, just to to see how the experience is, too, because eventually you're going to want to be on the other side. You're going to want to be one of those authors that's there for, you know, as an author. So how do you like the publishing world now, now that you can self-publish and everything's the way it is now, right, and promoting and all that stuff? What, what, do, you, what do you feel about the publishing business now? It's definitely advanced over the years. I mean, when I first got published by Dream Spinner back in 2010, um, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, there wasn't as, as commonly available. Um, self-publishing was actually non-existent at that point um, for the most part, unless they had their own money to be able to do everything um, and and get their 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 books out there. So it's definitely improved over the years or, or advanced over the years. Um, I think that it's a lot easier even than it was five years ago. Um, you know, I had a few books that um, ended up, I ended up taking back from a different company that shut down um, and I put those out under self-published just because they weren't something that I wanted to go and put back at a different company. So um, even now, I think it's it's gotten even easier to um, to not only publish but to promote yourself between the different you know, the different uh, services that are out there, um, between all the different uh, um, you know uh, review sites and and making it easier to get your your books and and information in front of other individuals or readers. So you think it's gotten better? Definitely. Hmm. Okay then. <laughs> so now do you do you yourself have a website or do you have blogs or locations? Where would you want people to go to find out more about you and your writing? I've actually got my own website. Um that that actually contains my blog as well. Uh so it's all centralized in one location and it's basically www.jrloveless.com. Okay. Now um I guess you don't really do any book signings now that the COVID's out, or I guess there's there's not really going to be anything going on probably the rest of the year, I guess. Uh, from what I understand, um, I mean, there's been talk of like that uh, a possible vaccine in October, but it's not going to be available to the masses um, for quite some time. So we may even be in this holding pattern for a lot longer. We just, I mean, right now it's a day by day thing, so I'm not even really sure that I'm going to travel anytime soon. <laughs> well, yeah, it, uh, you know, nothing sounds good about flying on a plane right now. No, I and I, I mean, I know that they do their best. They're not filling the planes to capacity now. You know, they're keeping uh, seats in between individuals. But um, it's still, you know, it's still risky, um, especially if, you know, what they said about it being airborne is a possibility still. It's still risky to be in, you know, that tight enclosure. And, I mean, it's it's always going to be a risk no matter where you're going, whether it's the grocery store or the movie theater or, you know, going to a restaurant. You're going to encounter a risk no matter what right now. Yeah, there's always a chance, right? But um, something, you know, for me, because I'm flying all the time, or used to be, and um, it just there's so many times I would get a cold or something from a plane. And, um, yeah, they're better at cleaning, but it's still always, uh, I don't know, it doesn't appeal to me right now, so... <laughs> Well, up until recently, because I actually, I live with a roommate. Um, she's my best friend of 23, 24 years now. And, um, you know, between with the two of us, we're lucky enough to have a day job that allows us to work remotely from home. Um, so we've pretty much been kind of sequestered for the last six months that they sent us to work remotely. Um, and we only just recently ordered from a restaurant for, you know, delivery uh, last week for the first time in six months, um, just because of, you know, the concern and the, you know, what's going to be on the food or what if they sneeze or, you know, something of that nature. <laughs> Do you, so are, are you, um, I guess, so when you go to write something now, when you're starting to write now that you've been, you know, a sequestered kind of, or, you know, at home a lot for six months, does it ever cross your mind that maybe things are going to change 
more that way permanently. Like, you know, you're going to see, uh, like, movie theaters maybe go and uh, a lot of concerts, a lot of things. Are you going to write that into your book? If I'm writing a contemporary, it's obviously something I'm going to take into consideration. I mean, for the urban fantasy paranormal, I mean, yes, they do have in, um, situations where it may place them into real life situations. Like the one of the one of the ones I'm working on now, um, the individual that uh, one of the main characters has to have an MRI, and you know, I go through the the different. Uh, uh, procedures that they follow and everything um, for the MRI situation. So something like that would may change in the future um, because we're not going to be allowed to go into hospitals again or something. I mean, there could be any number of things that change. Um, you know, even somebody on my friends list was talking about how they're afraid that this is going to change everybody permanently in regards to not wanting to, you know, hug and, and give their loved one kisses and things like that um, just because of that fear. And it's it's kind of hard to shake that fear. Well, yeah, and it, it will change your behavior. I mean, if you're if you've been in a different living pattern now for the last six months, like a lot of people, and let's say it's another six or eight months uh, before things start to get better in the fact that they have a you know an actual vaccine that's worked and tested. Um, will you jump back just the way you were before, do you, th do you think, or do you think it's still going to be a little bit cautious? I would love to be able to just jump back to the way things were, but I don't think that's going to be a possibility. Um, and even now, I'm, I'm still kind of, um, you know, I'm skeptical about a vaccine that normally, you, you know, vaccines take years to develop and, and ensure that they're actually working properly and that they're not going to make people sick you know, just by getting the vaccine. So something like that, I'm I'm kind of, I have that, uh, I don't want to say hypochondriac, it's not really hypochondriac, but if you have, um, like, like if there's some foreign object in your body, like some people, it affects them to the point where, like, they get nauseous and it's like, oh, it needs to go away. That's how I feel. <laughs> so I'm not really sure I would be comfortable with a vaccine until it's proven effective. And even after that, it may be something that we, you know, I still may have that hesitation or that, that caution when out in public just because of what else can happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, yes, we can't get this, but what about that, you know? Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't know how fast people are going to be able to jump back to just the way they were. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think for some people, um, I mean, even now, you know, I live in South Florida and we're in a very busy area and you see dozens of cars in like store parking lots and the mall parking lot. And it's, you know, I, I know they're probably wearing masks inside, but they still don't have that that concern or fear that some individual, you know, a, a good percentage of individuals do. So you're still seeing some people treating it like it's an everyday, you know, like it's just an everyday day. Like there's no no pandemic going on, and and it's just okay. Well, it's fake, isn't it? These anti-maskers, <laughs> it's not real. What are you talking about? It never happened. <sighs> you know. Well, a lot of people don't realize. It's not, you're not wearing the mask to protect yourself. <laughs> yeah. You're wearing the mask to protect everybody else. <laughs> yeah, but I feel fine. There's no virus. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, I hear mm -hmm. it all. I hear it all. How long does it take you to, to sit down and write a book? So like one of these romance um, books and stuff like that, how, how long, how, how much of your time does it take? Um, for me, well, I, like I mentioned, I do have an everyday job, so that does take a lot of my focus and a lot of, uh, a lot of my energy. Uh, I do work, you know, Monday through Friday and I'm the usual banker's hours, eight to five or eight to six, whatever. Um, but that, that ends up, you know, leaving me some time at night to be able to write. So I try to write several times a week, um, as much as I can, just depending on, um, I also suffer from migraines, so that's an added factor in there too. Um, so, it could take me a month, it could take me two months, it could take me three months, depending on the length of the story and how much my characters have to do. Yeah, I would, I, yeah, because, I, I, yeah, that, I, it's just, it's it's still very foreign to me, because, uh, like I said, I'm always into the uh, nonfiction to crime, so I kind of have to wait for it to all come together. So that's why, you, with this, I guess it's the same, but it comes together in your mind. So, I, I guess it depends on yeah how much time but also how you feel about things 
Well, and like every writer, every writer hits a block or, or a, a day where they just cannot come up with anything to add. It's, it's that whole writer's block. Everybody experiences that. But, and every writer has a different, um, you know, a different routine or a different, uh, process that they follow. You know, I've, I've heard a couple of terms. You've heard of, uh, there's people that are plotters. They plot everything out from A to Z and they've got all, you know, all their storyboards and everything written out and, and the, the character pictures and exactly how they want their group, their, their book and their story to go. And then you have people like me. I'm what I've been fondly called a pantser. And basically I write as I go. I don't, I feel I've tried plotting a book once before from A to Z and I found I got bored. I got, I, I didn't want, I already knew the story, so I didn't want to tell it. I didn't want to put it on paper. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to share it with the world at that point because it just was like, okay, it's not exciting for me anymore as I'm writing it and I'm, I'm experiencing this at the same time as the characters because I've already plotted it out. I know exactly what's going to happen throughout the book. So for me, it doesn't have that same excitement. So do you have a trick if you're blocked up? You, you, you're having a rough time um, certain days or even a week or something comes up. Is there some sort of a, what is it that you do? Actually, I think uh, reading um, reading other, other books in the same genre as mine actually helps a lot because it, it gives me, um, I guess it gives me those 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 happy feelings, and it makes me um, more motivated to actually go back to telling my own story. Um, you know, to uh, being able to flesh out the characters and and keep moving forward on the plot line that I'm building. So, when out. do you think your next release will be? I'm hoping sometime very soon. I'm I've been I'm about seventy thousand words into my most recent uh, book. Um, it's a new series. Uh, I had to kind of deviate from my other uh, shifter series just because of the situation with that particular uh, publishing company, and now I'm actually focusing on a different, uh, a different, a different shifter universe um, where um, it's about an actual, uh, an actual like royal. Uh, it's, it's basically called the Royal Tiger or Taiga Streak. Um, Taiga is actually the Russian word for tiger. Um, so uh, that's that one is what I'm focusing on now. There's probably I, I still have a lot left to tell, so it's probably going to turn out a little longer than I've actually got planned in my head. <laughs> so it, it's it may be another couple of months before I can shoot that off to the uh, the editor to go through it and start working yeah. on it. That's an inter it's an interesting process for sure. Um, well, this has been very very. Um very interesting conversation. Uh, we're going to have your, web, your website and your book up on ours as well, so people listening can do one click and pick up the book. So our guest has been J.R. Loveless, and we've been talking about Male Male Romance uh, and uh, the last book, Spell of the Werewolf. Thank you for being on the show. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.